Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Today, I want to discuss something in gaming that has been a hot topic for the past year and a benchmark to show the uh, more negative trends of the AAA gaming space. And that is Battlefield 2042. Holy shit. Okay, so a little context. For those who may not know, Battlefield 2042 released in November of 2021. Um, it was the uh, next mainline entry into the Battlefield uh, franchise from EA and DICE. Uh, the first entry of the next-gen console cycles, which are now the current gen. Um, and... The only one that offers crossplay, unfortunately. So, <laughs> man, this game came out as a dumpster fire. Now, I want to take you back to 2021, fall of 2021, because there's a couple important factors in the gaming industry that you have to keep in mind here. One, COVID. That's pretty much the biggest thing that hindered everything and everybody, including the gaming industry. Yes, games were still being able to be made and published, sure, but... In reality, the quality of such were uh, impacted. Across the board, all of them were. It doesn't matter which game you pick. Almost all of them had issues. It's just what happens when you can't collaborate in person and you can't have the tools at work at your disposal and you have to be at home working, right? That work-life balance is thrown out of sync and you don't quite have the same powerhouse and tools and equipment and collaborative efforts as beforehand. That doesn't excuse the game and a handful of the games that failed, but that does paint a better picture to why maybe they weren't quite what they should have been. And here's the thing. COD, Halo, and Battlefield, the three titans of the AAA first-person shooter space, especially in the console markets, were all coming out that year. Now, Halo doesn't fucking come out very often. Battlefield comes out a little more frequently. COD comes out every every year, so that doesn't really matter. But those other two don't. So for them to kind of sync up as like a lunar eclipse, or a solar eclipse, I should say, it's pretty rare. Pretty exciting time, actually, to see what comes out on top. And what's funny is, all of them fucking failed in the end. Every single one of them. You'd think at least one of them, one of the three big ones, would be able to punch a little harder. Nope. Now, initially, Halo came out on top. It came out, it was free to play, it was really fun, it was cross, partial cross-play. Um, right, it's only on Xbox and PC, but it was fun, it had good gameplay, really good gameplay, core, solid gameplay, good aesthetics, good sound design, all that. Not too buggy, little buggy, little unoptimized here and there, but not too bad. Not too bad. Looked good. Everything was good. It was actually kind of sidestepped the normal issues that you would see. It had no content at all, which is weird for a Halo game. And it had no post-launch content, and it still had some bugs, but it was boring. Not the gameplay, just the game itself. You enter, you jump in, you play for an hour, you're like, yeah, this is fun. Okay, so where's the actual Halo shit now? It's not here? When's it coming? We don't know? Okay. Here's the thing. 
post-launch content needs to be treated as it used to be treated. Now, the reason why post-launch content back in the day, and for those who don't know, post-launch content is any content that came out after the initial release of the full game, right? The base game. It's DLC, it's expansion packs, it's whatever you want to call it. Those are technically two different things, but they are kind of cover the same thing. It's more content. In a multiplayer game, it may be more guns, more operators, more abilities, more maps, more multiplayer modes, or more weapons in general. Whatever, right? More content in that regard. If it's a more single-player focused game or a story-driven game, it might be a new chapter of that story. It may be a new section of the map unlocked. It may be um, an expansion, so it just adds a few new quests and storylines and, and items, whatever. And uh, they, they, they tend to be, you know, you've got great post-launch content, you've got not-so-great post-launch content. You have some post-launch content that's so fucking good it repairs and basically brings life to the game that was kind of stale in its baseline. No Man's Sky is a good example of that. And then you have different structures of how that is divvied up. In a multiplayer game, especially one that's an annual release, it's like they've taken the Fortnite model of the battle or season pass. So you have a free tier, you have a premium tier. The content itself is free universally across the board. And I want people to understand that's why we're not going to get rid of battle passes anytime soon. One, they generate lucrative amounts of money consistently. But then also, it's in my mind, even though you, we've got our problems with this system, and many, they're manageable because we get free maps, guns, content. Content that affects the gameplay itself, which is core, which is more important to me than any cosmetic. Yeah, cosmetics are important. Additional content that might expand on modes and elements is important, but they're not locked behind paywalls, the core gameplay stuff. Mind you, five, six years ago, and, and even before that, of course, in multiplayer modes, multiplayer games, you already paid 60 bucks for. If you paid full price on opening, it would be another additional 20 30 or $40 just to get a handful of new guns and a, and a plethora of new maps and modes. And those came out as expansion seasons, right? usually four and maybe they were 20 bucks a pop or 10 or whatever or you get them for a bundle deal or you get the season pass so you get them when they come out you pay a little more of a premium up front but overall you save maybe 10 percent whatever whatever the case may be god used to do this halo used to do this all of them did it battlefield did it most famously battlefield had massive expansions huge new maps like three to four solid new maps Two to three new game modes and like five to six new weapons every time they had an expansion drop. These expansions might have been 10, 15 bucks, 20 a piece, 40, 40 to 50 for the full pass of all the expansions, the whole sh shebang. For Battlefield, if you play that specific Battlefield enough, that is a worthy investment because Battlefield stays around for at least three, four, five years. COD, it's not worth it. COD comes out every year. People move on. Even if that other COD game is better and superior, people will just move on. The bulk of the player base will try the new one. Because it's new, that's all. Not because it's better. 
So post-launch content can fix, can expand, can implement, can improve, or it could just be a waste of money. I talk about that because that's a very vital lifeline in a new way that multiplayer games specifically are structured. And Battlefield 2042 is in an interesting position where they can really change the way the franchise works going forward. And it's not quite clear how they're going to go about it. So I want to talk about that. But I first want to talk about how it all came to be. Because when it launched, it was a buggy, unoptimized, and gameplay lacking entry. And I didn't play it then. I downloaded it last week. So let's get into it. Okay. So if you haven't noticed, there's no ad breaks anymore. And you might be like, well, where was that lovely voice of psychics for the ad breaks? Well, I, I am no longer allowed to put them because Anchor is now, well, Anchor was always owned by Spotify, but they did a full rebranding. Now this app is just called Spotify for Pod. Spotify podcasters, or Spotify's podcast, well, whatever, something Spotify podcasting. So the Anchor name is gone, and a lot of the ways that Anchor operated, I mean, the app is still pretty much the same, and it still allows me to just distribute for free and allows me to record, so I'm thankful for that. But I liked being able to get a little monetization, not a lot, trust me. It's okay, I'm not really stressed about it, but I would like to have it back. It's nice. I've had it for three and a half years. It doesn't take much either. I just have to have a hundred listens in a two-month span. I'm at 83. I need 17 more listens. These types of episodes can usually net me 15 to 30, if at all. I had one about... He'll let loose, I got me 60, but that was in February, early February, which is a little scary because I'm like, oh, I don't know when that cutoff is. Hopefully they, hopefully it's from when they made the change, which was literally last week. Hopefully that's what's kicking in. So hopefully I have a few more months. If not, I'll just have to try again, but it's hard. I'm not particularly the most marketable for podcasters. I just like spilling my thoughts, but I liked getting a little bit of payment, not a lot. So anyway, if you want to support, follow me on other platforms, of course. Uh, that will always help listening to my music, watching my films, and, and others. I do have a Patreon. Nobody subscribes to it. But if you want to, you get a lot of exclusive perks and benefits as well. So anyway, hopefully you're listening to this. Because if you are, that means you might just have a chance to reestablish my sponsorship. It's crazy. I'm literally 13 listens away from being re-sponsored. And it's, it's a little frustrating. Anyway, moving away from that, let's get back into Battlefield 2042. There's this, because of its incredibly horrid launch, and, and like I said, I didn't play it when it came out initially. I played the beta for like one hour, and I was like, nope. 30 minutes in, I'm like, this is not even fun. Like, even when it wasn't bugging the whole time, which almost wasn't the case, it was pretty much buggy and unoptimized the entire time, but there's a few minutes or so where it wasn't buggy. I'm like, this is still boring as shit, even if there was no bugs. The bugs are, and, and poor optimization is almost hiding how bland and boring this Battlefield is. Which is baffling to me, no pun intended, because Battlefield is one of those things where it's like, 
it's hard for that game to be boring. Does it have downtime? Yeah. Does it have moments where it's not constant engagement? Sure, but that's optional. You just stay the hell further away from an objective. If you want that crazy frenetic action, you just jump the fuck right in. Right? Battlefield's been one of the... It's weird. I've been thinking about it lately since I've been playing this game. Battlefield, I've always loved that franchise. It never occurred to me how much I played it back in the day. <laughs> I, I started doing the math. My first entry, entry into Battlefield was Battlefield 3. Barely. Tail end of Battlefield 3. I played it. I liked it. And I'm like, this is cool. But I mostly got into it because of the hype from my friends. And I was just allowed to play games like that then. And it looked incredible. Battlefield 4 swings around three and a half, four years later, and I'm ready. I'm hyped. I can now play these games. I've been playing COD. I'm like, fuck yes, I got it. A little buggy, to be honest. A little buggy in the first few weeks, but I got over that quick. That game was fucking fun. I sunk hours. I just listened to... The only time I ever listen to podcasts, which is funny, because it actually probably influences well, how and why I make podcasts now. I used to listen to... <laughs> This IGN podcast um, for gaming, obviously. And um, it was Ryan McCaffrey and whatever his name is in it, and a handful of others just sitting around a table talking about the latest things in video games for 40 minutes or so, or longer, even two and a half hour long podcast. I just sat there and listened to that and uh, played Battlefield 4. Had some hot uh, Cheetos or sometimes hot Cheez-Its, which are slept on, but slap the fuck out of things. Very tasty snacks. Um, that was good times, good times. I did that for, only for like six months, but still, I did that for a while. And I was in middle, uh, I was in high school. No. No, I wasn't in high school. I was in middle school. Wow. Yep. Like, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, somewhere in that time frame. I think it was like 6th and 7th grade, mostly. And that's, yeah, life was good. I did my homework, got my, got my work out of the way, got my chores and whatnot, if I had that out of the way, and I just sat down a couple hours before dinner and did that, and then that was it. <sighs> Missed those days. Anyway, so, those were really fun. And then, here's the kicker. Battlefield 1 rolls around. Now, at this point... I am a Battlefield fan through and through. I've sunk enough hours in four, a little bit in three. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this one. I'm a little older, I'm a little wiser. It's 2016, early 2016, or summer 2016, and the trailer drops. Seven Nation Army comes kicking in. You got all these planes and shit. Battlefield 1's announced, and I'm like, whoa. They're going back to the Great War, World War One, which... I knew quite a bit about, but I didn't know everything about it. And I'm like, how the hell are they going to make that at the pace of a Battlefield game? Like, World War II makes sense. That was such a technological leap. Now, mind you, at the time, the Great War was a massive technological leap, right? It introduced the modern machine guns, the modern planes, the modern tanks, the everything that we know today. World War II established them, really modernized and jumped, and because it was so much sooner after the Great War, it was even equally more impressive to see that. And of course, it was a larger and more involved conflict, so the sequel was bigger, brighter, and is talked about, covered way more than the Great War. But the Great War was massive, 
Without that, we wouldn't have had World War II because Hitler wouldn't have been able to rise to power because the things that happened in Germany wouldn't have been existent, right? So it's really important to understand the context of the history of it. But what's fascinating is World War I really isn't covered often. Um, and it was a massive time for technological innovation and for the brutality of war to come into the hands of modernized technology that could kill far more and far efficiently, far more efficiently as well. So the question, though, is how do you get the battlefield style? Because you've got these class systems, right? You've got the assault, the support, the medic, the recon or sniper class, okay? Now, those weapons existed in World War I, but they were few and far between. In fact, there was not many fully automated weapons. A few gunner, like Gatling gunner types of things, not, not actually Gatling guns, that's Civil War era, but, you know, modernized turret machine guns in a couple instances. No, there is not really many submachine guns. Semi-auto rifles, somewhat, but not really, mostly bolt-action rifles. That's mostly what you're working with. Bolt-action rifles, bayonets, and pistols. Semi-auto pistols, funny enough, but not, not many semi-auto rifles, maybe a few. But there were more than we realized. They existed. It's just they were few and far between. Most of them were prototypes at the time. And then the few that were ever deployed in the field were given to special ranks. Special officers or forces that were trained to use this equipment, to use a fully auto submachine gun. Right? I mean, you look, even in World War II, the infantrymen weren't given that type of firepower. Just usually the commander were given the Thompson, right? Or a squad leader or someone of importance. One, to help distinguish them on the field. But two, because they stayed away from the fight, they had to command from a distance. So if there was ever engagement, it was going to be close to medium. Whereas the M1 Garand, while still good at close and better at medium, can also hit at longer ranges, so it was a more versatile weapon for the infantrymen, right? I'm no historian, and I don't know everything about weapons, but that's a kind of the basics of it. So, World War One that would be a tricky thing to cover because it's actually a lot about waiting in trenches and hoping, hoping to God you don't get hit by mustard gas, right? But the trailer made it look so energetic. And man, oh man, was it ever. Battlefield 1 was my shit. It is, to this day, one of my favorite first-person AAA shooters. And here's the kicker. It came out in, in came out uh, two weeks after Titanfall 2 and killed Titanfall 2, which sucks because they're both by EA. And Titanfall 2 is one of my favorite AAA first-person shooters and deserved way more credit. But here's the thing. Battlefield 1 is a little... Not better, but it had more players, so it made it more fun. Uh, Battlefield 1 is phenomenal. Both games, both by EA, both released within a few weeks of each other, both phenomenal. I wish they staggered it and had Titanfall 2 come out the next year. That way it would have gotten the attention it deserved. So Battlefield 1 was great. It wasn't perfect, there were some bugs, there were some issues, but it was great. There were planes, there were it was everything you'd want in a battlefield, right? Battlefields, these large scale, well, you can play the smaller modes, but it's core mode, it's the, the bread and butter's conquest. You got these large sectors, you got a team of 32 uh, players battling 32 players, it's chaotic, they all 
choose different classes. You have a squad of four. Within that squad, you have more perks to benefit each other. You could spawn on each other, all that. There's X amount of vehicles available at any given point. And you're just trying to capture points and use those vehicles to your advantage and use your toolkits. And the more you kills and the better you do, the more equipment you rank up. It's pretty simple, but it's very, very fun. And the thing about Battlefield is scale. It understands how to make a game very big, very, very grandiose, very um, hectic, but still focused enough, paced and balanced well enough where there's constant engagement, right? And then most importantly, it does... Uh, it does it to a level where it is digestible and fun and not overly complicated. It's streamlined. It's very fun. Their gunplay, their vehicle mechanics, all that. The presentation, the graphics for Battlefield, and the audio design are usually masterful, so that helps with the immersion. In the Battlefield 1 games, there's nothing like jumping in with 32 people all charging towards this one direction or towards this trench line with the whistles and the avatars screaming. With gunshots cracking overhead, planes whirring by, artillery shells firing close and far into the distance. It was truly an experience, unlike any other game I've ever played. And for that, I will fall. I'll forever be thankful for that game because it was so fun and it's what I mostly played when I was moving between states and those types of games whenever I'm moving <laughs> I play a lot more video games because as soon as I leading up to when I have to unplug my console and to when I have to move to the next place and plug it in I'm right back to gaming because that was the it's a consistency it's something I can play regardless of where I am as long as it's plugged in uh, you know where I have good enough internet right and it was a great way to relax. So, I remember. I mean, I got Battlefield 1. I started playing it a little bit. Um, what was it? It was, it, was, it was fall of 2016. So, it actually came out. It came out in 2016, right? So, it was like, it came out like a week or two after I moved. So, I actually, I, I didn't play it before I moved. I played it right when I got there. But I was excited for it. That's right. Yeah, I was in Charleston at the time. I remember there was the whole debacle, uh, Infinite Warfare or whatever it was called. I missed out on that COD that year. It was the most disliked YouTube video and most disliked COD YouTube video ever at the time. Just horrible trailer and fan reception. Battlefield 1 was massively more popular, so it looked like Battlefield 1 was going to win. Like I said, they don't often always land on the same year you know battlefield comes around three or four years cod is every year so cod has time to outpace but cod also has its own issues and it was exhausting itself at the time with the whole advanced tech tech stuff now people in hindsight say it, that game wasn't as bad as we thought it was i don't know i never played it but i'll say this um battlefield one was the only one i was interested out of the two and i'm glad i chose that because man it's a fun game truly just fun i i went back and i replayed it last year not 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 even that long ago a few three or four months ago uh it's still got enough people playing on most on most servers where you can at least find a few full lobbies man it still kicks ass it's still fun to this day it still plays pretty buttery smooth so um definitely check it out if you never have uh if you have ea play if you have game pass you could download it and try it for free it's really fun 
Um, so yeah, man, I just had a TV on the floor at the time where you didn't even have the wall mount for the, the new uh, house. And I just plugged my shit in once I got unpacked with all my stuff and just played that for the first few weeks and, and for the rest of that year and into the next year. Uh, man, that, what a good time. So Battlefield 1 was incredibly well done. Well balanced, not perfect. People had issues with it, but I didn't. I didn't really have that many issues. I was just having fun. That fun factor is key. It's very hard to pin down what's fun. Usually franchises that are successful often understand, or at least at one point understood, what made their game fun, what made people coming back. But there's a balance. There's a dynamic to it. And it depends on the person, what they like, what they understand, what they're interested in, all of that. How they're taught, how they're brought in the game, who they play it with. There's many variables at play for what makes a game fun. But I played this game by myself the whole time. I had loads of fun. To be fair, if I played it with friends, would I have more fun? Yes. If they were having fun, if they ended up not having fun, that would dampen my experience. I'm way more easygoing. I'm way more patient for games. I'll take a lot of bullshit before it starts pissing me off. And it doesn't really even piss me off. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to switch games for now. Or I'm not going to worry about this one anymore. You know, I just move on. It's not really a big deal. Unless I pay a lot of money, then, I, then I'd be more upset. But I'd stick with it longer. It had some great post-content launch. I never actually got around to playing much of it. I played like the first one or second one. And it was really fun. But this was still at the time when there were microtransactions. There was the whole loot box stuff. But then also the post-launch content wasn't free. So not only did they have microtransactions, but they had post-launch content that was you had to pay the premium for. So the players who paid for it got to play it with those players who did. So it split the user base in half. And EA and uh, pretty much the industry found out that, yeah, that's probably not the best idea. Because the, once your player base is halved, the pool, the potential pool is halved for the people who paid the premium who have it, um, the people who, then both sides don't feel like it's as much of an alive or thriving or, or ga game. And a lot of people won't pay that much for those expansions. So oftentimes the people who did pay for them, even though they're probably getting great content and fun modes and a lot of cool maps, which is usually the case for Battlefield expansions, there's no one there, so you couldn't really play it. You'd find yourself idle in a lobby for way too long and then back out and then go to a traditional mode that everyone was still playing, and so you wasted 30, 40 bucks. You know? A cynic in me is like, well, who cares? I mean, EA doesn't give a shit. They just want to make money. That may be true, but game here's the power about video games and then the thing game publishers and developers alike understand that in a multiplayer game yeah making that money up front is great especially though in this free-to-play age that's not as readily available now they need player engagement they need retention rate algorithms are built on that if you can keep someone in your pl in that said platform that algorithm will reward you for it tiktok youtube instagram doesn't matter Video games are similar. If they can keep a player playing for this and that reason and incentivize them to come back and keep playing, they're happy. Rainbow's masterful at this. Rainbow understands that it's not going to always have everyone playing it at all times. It knows it'll have a healthy base of people who play it daily. Shit, I played Rainbow Six Siege daily for four and a half years. That's insane. There's no other multiplayer games that could even punch close to that nowadays. For me, at least. Um... I cycle through games. I'll still come back around to them. But, but Rainbow understands it'll have its core people who will play it for years on end. 
and it will always bring back old and new players into the fold with discounts, with deals, with free-to-play weekends, all that, and new content. That you don't have to pay for it, but if you do, you get way more out of it. So, yeah. It's wild. It really is. It's crazy that they figured that out. Battlefield didn't figure that out. Um, and still hasn't. But Battlefield 1 was extremely fun, infinitely replayable in my mind. Just a good time, and it's still worth going back to. Even if you don't care about World War One, it's a really fun, competent, clean, and, and exciting game. It hit on the elements, to me, that makes Battlefield Battlefield. And then you have Battlefield 5. Which is confusing. You're like, wait, Battlefield 1, now Battlefield 5? Wait, we had Battlefield uh, 1942, uh, Bad Company, the spinoff futuristic one before that. Bad Company 2, a couple other spinoffs. Then Battlefield 3, then 4, then 1, then 5, then 2042. The fuck is going on? How? Why can't they do numbers? The reason why Battlefield 1 is called Battlefield 1 is because it's based in World War 1. That's it. <laughs> so then you'd be like, well, why isn't Battlefield 2? Why isn't it called Battlefield 2? Well, because there's technically nothing called Battlefield 1, but there is a game called Battlefield 2. So that would very much so confuse people and the marketing. So, um... So they called it Battlefield 5. I don't know why they just didn't call it Battlefield World War 2. But whatever. Beats me. Um, Battlefield 5 came out in 2018. So it came out pretty close, actually. Not a, It came out two and a half years later. So not for... Not three to five like the usual. It actually came out in a shorter time frame. For reasons? Uh, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. But it did, and it was met with mixed reactions. See, it was marketed as the successor of Battlefield 1, right? The follow-up. But just all that you loved of Battlefield 1 in World War 2. That is a recipe for perfection, because Battlefield 1 was so fucking fun. And when I was playing it, I'm like, this is incredible. This is one of my favorite Battlefield games. And then I thought... Just imagine these mechanics improved with better graphics, better performance, a little more content in World War II. And it'd be kick-ass. And I thought, I'm like, that's where they're going. Then they'll, then they'll jump to World War III. They'll just do a futuristic, another World War. That's just how they're going to do. And that's why I'm psychic. They're sure enough as shit that it's exactly what they did. Just not as successful. I also like to think that Battlefield 1 was a refresher for the series, right? We had Battlefield Hardline, actually, before that. I forgot to mention that. I didn't play that. That looked like a really weird spin-off thing. It was, the story mode was structured like a cable TV show. It was like a cop thing. Apparently, it was kind of fun, but it was reduced, and it was just weird. It was an experimental thing. I don't knock a company for getting experimental and trying new shit. That's cool. Just didn't pan out the way they thought, Right? So they had Battlefield 3, Battlefield 4, Battlefield Hardline, that police one, and then they had Battlefield 1. So to me, and when you look at the visual aesthetics, the graphical improvements, the changes in the UI and, and a lot of the mechanics and, and the stuff at play and the engine improvements and all these things, a lot happened in Battlefield 3 and 4. It reinvented itself. Battlefield Hardline was just taking out, just looked and felt very similar to Battlefield 4, just slightly improved, right? 
Battlefield 1 was an entire redesign. It still felt like Battlefield, it just looked different. Not just because it was World War One. it actually looked better. Cleaner, more simplified graphics and UI. Great performance and presentation across the board, right? Battlefield 5 followed the Battlefield 1 aesthetic almost to a T. It cleaned up and improved and added more information here and there. Made some spots messier, in my opinion. Wasn't as minimalist in design, but not too bad. It was very similar. If you play them back to back, you'd be like, yeah, this is the World War One iteration and this is the World War Two iteration. And you could tell that this was developed, these were developed back to back. That's good. That's an okay thing. There's no problem with that. Here's the problem, though. Battlefield 1 understood two things. It understood, first and foremost, it's got to play as a Battlefield game, regardless of what setting it is. And people expect that. So no one's going to be like, this isn't actually what happened in World War One because it wasn't touting itself to say this is what it's like in World War One. Okay, it had some cool war story things that was kind of a single player mode, but other than that, it wasn't the multiplayer experience wasn't saying this is an authentic simulation of World War One. It was saying this is a bastardization and a loose interpretation of World War One equipment and era and styles and thought processes put into a battlefield style game. No one has a problem with that when you start out the gate explaining that. And if you retain the fun and the factor of what makes us go play a Battlefield game, you're fine. The problem is, after that, when Battlefield Five came to fruition doing World War II stuff, it's weird because the gameplay is great. In fact, it's pretty much what Battlefield One is, but the reason why I don't high it and hold it in such a high regard is a couple factors. One, fucking it didn't... Um, I didn't play it on release because it was given mixed reviews and I just didn't want to risk the money. I had other games I, I was more interested in buying at the time. I think Wolfenstein 2 was coming out that year, so I was really excited for that. Maybe maybe that was in between. I don't know. But my point is that um, that uh, that game just didn't pull me as much. It's incredible how powerful marketing is. You go, you watch the announcement trailer of Battlefield 5 against Battlefield 1. Battlefield 1 is one of the best video game trailers ever. In fact, it's so good it actually film-making trailers should look into how Battlefield 1 trailer was so expertly crafted. And it didn't lie. When you play Battlefield 1 and you're, you, you think about it, you're like, yeah, these are like the moments in the trailer. These are very cinematic, crazy experiences, right? Battlefield 5 wasn't that. Battlefield 5 was a hodgepodge of a bunch of different ideas. Yeah, it was still World War II. And it was one steady cam motion that wasn't cuts. It didn't have as much of an iconic soundtrack that I recall. It wasn't Seven Nation Army, that's for damn sure. I don't know what it was. Could have been a great soundtrack, I don't know. Or a song, I mean. But anyway, it was just this like steady cam, one track, one shot follow, which is cool in certain aspects, and it was cool. Follow this uh, main lady with the prosthetic arm, which was a little confusing. We're like, what? What's happening here? Jumping out of a building, da da da. Building's collapsing. It shows a destructible environment. Cool. She shoots some stuff. Shot of a plane going on. It's all one steady flow, fluid motion. It's very cool, technically, how they pull it off. It doesn't look bad. It's a well-made trailer. Don't get me wrong. It's actually a very well-made trailer. It's not a bad trailer. It just doesn't capture the excitement, the hype, the energy, and the pacing and tone of what Battlefield 1 did. 
if you watch it with no title, no idea, you know, and you don't, you've never, you've played Battlefields before and you've never um, watched the Battlefield trailers before, you won't know that it's a Battlefield game until the title card comes in. Whereas in Battlefield 1, in about 20 seconds, you will probably guess, like, this feels like a Battlefield game. The power of editing is also really important to be noticed in marketing when it comes to video content creation of any kind, especially in films and television. But, um, yeah, so that really changed the narrative because it was confusing. It was like, why are we, it felt like an alternate history. And in fact, it felt somewhat, somewhat like a Wolfenstein. Hell, actually, I remember when I first saw it, I'm like, is this like a Wolfenstein multiplayer? And then, like, I heard the iconic... You know, once you see the DICE logo, I'm like, okay, well, this is the next Battlefield. Cool. And I'm like, yeah, World War II, that adds up, right? Listen, the debate at the time, and it was a stupid debate. It was actually a counter-knowledge, uh, xenophobic debate due to the political discourse of the time. Oh, why is it showing women? Why does this woman have a prosthetic arm in this World War II-like game? There weren't women fighting for the most part, and it's like, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. They're not saying, at no point did this trailer ever explain, like, yeah, no, we're being historically accurate here. It's not trying to be. They knew better. It's a Battlefield game in World War II. And they were more focused on that as a gameplay element. So they were showing something that would have been a gameplay feature, and that was a gameplay feature. You can, for the first time, fully customize your character the way you see fit. I have no problem with that. For the women who wanna who wanna play and look like a woman, look like women or men, I, it doesn't fucking matter. If you wanna look like a girl or a guy in in a in a video game, or neither. From like, you know, gender identifying markers, you know, physical traits. Kind of uh, just a like a neutral blank slate in between where no one could quite tell what gender that character is. Knock yourself out, you know. I don't give a fuck. Do what you feel is right for you, and that's it. As long as you're not harming anyone else in the process, you're fine. Do you, if you want a prosthetic arm, have a prosthetic arm. Hell, for people who have prosthetic limbs, I bet that might be kind of cool if they want that in their game character design. I don't know if they do. I can't speak on them, but if they do, they have that option now. I have no problem with that. And I thought it was a very stupid argument to be had over a fucking Battlefield game. It was driving me nuts at the time. I'm like, are you guys shitting me? Are you guys really, like, complaining about a Battlefield game, of all games, to be historically accurate? Battlefield 1 wasn't remotely historically accurate. It had moments that were historically accurate. It mentioned historic moments that actually happened, which were cool. Kind of set the tone and the mood. You can't have a submachine gun in World War One. It wasn't really a thing. Very limited prototyping of it. And that was, like, the main thing for, like, two different classes. You could still have an uh, SMG, some assault rifle variants, and fucking um, LMGs in World War One, running around. Like, it's no problem. The most accurate classes were the Medic and the Recon, technically. So, like, yeah, I mean... I mean, a lot of the shit that happens in Battlefield 1 isn't remotely historically accurate, and it's not trying to be. 
If you want to play a World War One historically accurate game, play Verdun. If you want to play a World War Two more historically accurate game, play Hell Let Loose. Great game, by the way. Go check out my podcast on that if you're interested. Um, like those are more in line with the historical accuracy and the representation of what actually happened there. It's not perfectly accurate because one, it's player driven. So if a player decides to do something, obviously that's not what happened in history. But beyond that, it has to take liberties to make it a game. Just like movies and television shows and books, it everything has to take liberties to fit the format that it's presenting itself through. Right? A lot of people find military sim games boring. Why? Because being in the military can be boring. You have many times where you're just sitting and waiting for shit to happen. And a lot of people don't want to play that. They want to play the focus condensed action parts. World War I had uh, many moments where there was nothing happening. In fact, plenty of times where it was more so just waiting in the trenches for shit to happen as opposed to actually going and, and fighting. You know what I mean? So at no point was Battlefield 1 historically accurate. And it never painted itself to be. So why is everyone getting their tits in a twist over uh, Battlefield 2, sorry, 5, World War 2 iteration? Why is everybody doing it for that? Well, because of the xenophobia of the time in general and the, the general dismay of minorities being represented in, in media. It was, a, it, it was an ongoing issue especially uh, women and especially women of color. And it and it's just rubs me the wrong way that people are so pissed about that. So if you have a problem with women or people of color or any minority, any race, any type of person being accurately represented and fairly treated in the world, just do me a favor. Fuck off. Okay? Good? Thank you. Moving on. I think women, I think people of color, I think people with disabilities, I think anybody of any... Race, creed, color, ethnicity, uh, personal identification, right, should be fairly accurately respected and represented in the media, in the forms that they see fit or that, that happen to be published. There's no reason not to. So, the people who had a problem with that, grow the fuck up. It's a video game, honestly. It's not that big of a deal. It really doesn't affect you. You're still just running and gunning at the end of the day or sniping. It's the gameplay that should really matter. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's take a break from the whole political discourse that was just a bunch of wrapped up bullshit that shouldn't have even, shouldn't have even muddied the game because it wasn't valid in my eyes. It was all just a bunch of fucking, you know, angry incels thinking that fair representation is a problem. Uh, fucking pussies they are so that by the way I just want to say that doesn't represent the gaming community that doesn't represent men in general that doesn't represent people I'd like to think people are usually better than that there are a fuck ton of immoral horrible stupid people out there don't get me wrong but there are plenty of good people out there too that really didn't care about if there was a woman in a World War II game because it didn't matter it was just a cosmetic choice for the player if they wanted that. There's plenty of women who play video games who deserve to, if there's customization, and maybe that was the problem. Maybe there shouldn't have been such 
robust customization. Maybe it should have just been a uniform or an officer's outfit. I still see no problem if you want to have a male and female option. From a look perspective, right? I'm not saying, you know, if you're, if you're transgender or gender fluid, that's fine too. Um, I, I, you know, I love and respect all people. I, I don't, uh, I don't subscribe to any notion of discrimination towards anyone based on who they are as a person and who they identify to be as a person. I think that's a waste of my time and I think it's horrible that people would ever try to instill that type of authority over someone else because they don't understand or agree with it. It's just ridiculous. So, but of the time, that was the issue. That really actually muddied the experience because the game wasn't, it had bugs, it had issues, it wasn't perfectly optimized or polished, but it wasn't the worst thing ever compared to what 2042 offered, which I'll get to in a minute. The reason why I'm talking about these games is because it's important to understand the context leading up to 2042 and why it was such a weird thing and why the franchise of Battlefield is changing and some of my history with it. So that's why I'm talking in length about this. So Battlefield 5 was actually pretty fun. I did revisit it about uh, about a year, I'd say, after the fact, maybe even longer. I went back, I replayed, I'm like, hey, shit, this is kind of fun. This is like Battlefield 1, but World War 2. Hey, look at that. It's pretty fun. Um, it fixed a lot of its issues. It added a lot of content, yada, yada, yada. So by the time I played it, it wasn't that active of a player base, but we were still getting full lobbies, me and my buddy, and having a good time. It was fun. What can I say? I really can't complain if a game is fun and if that's all it's trying to be. The problem that happened with Battlefield 5 more than anything was its marketing. And not because of the woman thing. That's a fucking waste of our time and energy and caused an issue on a game that shouldn't have had that issue in the first place. But the real problem was that it was not ever... Like, in Battlefield 1, it, it, you knew it was a Battlefield... Like, nobody was ever, like... Oh, they're trying to show... They're trying to show World War One more so than trying to show a Battlefield game. That was never a question. It was like, this is a Battlefield game through and through, first and foremost, with the aesthetic of World War I. It's a very simple psychology, but it's very important because we understood that the core pillars that make a Battlefield game, right, the large-scale maps, the fighting, the balance fighting, you know, a little longer time to kill, but not insanely long, Right, a nice healthy balance where you have a we you have a small firefight engagement. It's not turn and die, right? Um, different types of classes that benefit each other. Oh, you need ammo. Here's an ammo pouch. Oh, you need medic. You need you need health. Here's a health pouch. You need to be revived. Medics over here, right? You got tanks. You got planes. You got bombing runs. You got specials. You got abilities. All these things happening on a massive scale, with a huge map to cover, but no downtime or unless you choose to be a sniper and keep your distance and such but for the most part it's pretty kinetic and fluid because within e within the entire map it was split in sections and even the map design the level design across the board phenomenal because it had points of contention at every juncture so if you walk in the building there's gonna be contact there's gonna be fun because the game is a first person shooter you're not having fun if you're not engaging in those components. And the first-person shooting is really, really smooth and fluid and pretty well-balanced across the board for the weapons. If you're going up a sniper, you're going to lose on that sniper. That sniper will fuck you up. There was an imbalance. People didn't like that for the first time snipers were based on the range. Their power was 
I mean, you had more powerful rifles and you didn't, sure. But beyond that, if you were at a certain range with a sniper rifle or a marksman rifle of some kind, you will most likely just get killed. So those classes were OP. I didn't realize that till way later. I never, it never occurred to me. I thought I was just good at sniping. I was. I was landing headshots that would kill anybody regardless of the range from insane distances with really quick and, and clean precision. So I got really good at sniping in general in games, but especially because of that in Sniper Elite. So um, it was a really fun mechanic. I didn't mind it. Um, you know. So that was for Battlefield 1. I apologize. So Battlefield 5 maintained a lot of that in it, right? That's what makes a Battlefield game unique. Large-scale combat, multiple spawn points, huge sprawling fields, but sprawling areas. But even in each area, there's interesting, dynamic combat going on at any point. So it's even though it's a big map, it's like it's like five or six Call of Duty-sized, smaller, medium-sized Call of Duty maps and types of gunplay going on in different sectors of the same map. You know, with vehicles, which added a whole nother layer of intrigue and, and problem solving because the vehicles were well balanced, too. Were they powerful? Fuck yeah. They could definitely hold down a point or dominate a team, but they weren't invincible. They weren't able to stay on the field forever. They were vulnerable. They couldn't they. They weren't easy to maneuver at all times. You couldn't just prepare them too easily. They had good health, but they weren't bullet sponges. And while they had a good firepower output, it was measured by the rate of reload. Or the rate of fire. So it was pretty well balanced for the most part. And almost every class except recon and medic for the most part, except recon could switch to armor-piercing bullets. But other than medic, I think every class had a tool at their disposal to damage vehicles. Even basic frag grenades did a little damage. Not a lot. Really not much, but something. If you wanted to get some of those damage points or try to help whittle it down. Uh, assault and support had the best firepower against them. Um, rightfully so. So anyway, it was a really well-balanced game. Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5, for the most part, just carried that through and through. And then Battlefield 2042 came out. And... Everything kind of changed. And I'm not going to just talk about the bugs, the unoptimized and unbalanced. I mean, it was so glitchy. It was so bad. I played the beta, and I've never played a beta where I've instantly decided, oh, I can't do this. This isn't even fun. This isn't even playable, and I'm definitely not getting this in a month. That's never happened to me for a beta. Usually a beta sells me on the product, not, like, de-incentivizes it. <laughs> and I'm glad it did, because I've saved my money, and now I'm playing Battlefield 2042 a year later with massive improvements and overhaul for free. But it still has issues that are driving me nuts. Let's get into what Battlefield 2042 is now. One year, almost... It's actually, it's been over a year. It's a year and about three, four, five... A year and four months. So a year and four months later, after the initial horrible, horrendous launch of 2042, Battlefield 2042, where is it now? Let's get into it. Battlefield 2042. I just want to say the positive things I say about the game is basing it off the merits of it now, today. You know, in May of 2023, a year and three or four months after its initial release. 
its initial release, though, just from the beta and just from what I've seen, was a dumpster fire dog shit show that should never, ever be excused and should never be allowed again to ever be released like that. It was so bad, I was just, my jaw was on the floor because I'm like, how the fuck were they even allowed, legally allowed, by consumer protection policies and better business bureaus to release such a broken product that, like, you can't play. There is no way, like, it's mind-boggling. And it's a shame because I remember at the time, and you can even hear my excitement in podcasts before the game came out and before I played the beta, before we knew anything about it, you could hear my level of excitement and enthusiasm. Because those previous Battlefield games I mentioned were great, but great, I mean, Battlefield 1 was great, but that's been almost, it's been five and a half years. It's been too long now. Battlefield 5 was good, but it wasn't great because it just didn't have as much players. See, Battlefield really thrives off of its initial success. If it does well in its beginning and it has more players to play with and you're all playing it at the same time, it's a better experience. It just it just is. I mean, it doesn't ch- The game can still be good after the fact, but it just doesn't have the magic. And if it starts good and solid, and usually players keep playing and play it initially because it's good, so if it starts that way, it will only get better. Battlefields are around for a while. They get post-content support. So that's a that's a solid, fun game that you could play with your friends. That's a good first-person shooter that has all the elements, all the everything you'd want in in a in a type of first-person shooter of this caliber for three or four years. You don't have to worry about shit going away after a year. So it feels great when we have a great battlefield out. It's a good option for everybody. And when it's not that way, it is sorely missed. I feel it. And even if you're not a Battlefield fan, or if you're getting into it for the first time, you have to understand that it's a very solid, competent game for the most part, from a technical standpoint. Some of the design changes, philosophies, balances may not be perfect, but that's okay, that's neither here nor there. But if it plays, it plays, it's fun. So... I think that's just important to keep in mind. But Battlefield 2042, it's been a year and four months. I downloaded it on Game Pass. I tried it on PC and console. On PC, it's not great, actually. It plays fine. It's no problem how it plays. It um, it, it uses 100% of your CPU, and it doesn't matter what fucking CPU you have. It's just poorly optimized for that. It's a problem across the board when you look it up. It could use 90 to 100%. That's fucking insane. So I uninstalled it there. I'm like, I am not doing that. That's not fun. So, it's not the end of the world. It's not like it'll kill anything. It's just, it bogs down your computer for no reason. It shouldn't take 100% utilization to run that type of game. And I have a pretty powerful CPU. I don't have the most cutting edge, but I've got an AMD Ryzen 5. 5600 I think anyway um, I don't quite remember but it's solid enough my CPU should be able to handle most next gen games and current gen whatever most games for the next three years with no problem so a game like this shouldn't be causing it any issues matter of fact I got this PC the summer of the you know three for five months before Battlefield One came, or sorry, Battlefield Twenty Forty Two came out, so it really shouldn't be an issue. 
Anyway, Battlefield 2042 is World War III, essentially. It's uh, 20 years in the future. You know, the great powers, nuclear, whatever. Something, something happens. Global conflict. You're thrusted into it as a private military corps. There you go. That's all you need to know. There's no story. For the first time ever, there's no campaign. There are a handful of main modes. There's your conquest mode. There's your breakthrough mode. There's your TDMs and such. Rush. Rush is like a condensed objective mode. TDM is, well, team deathmatch, as you would expect. Conquest is their, you know, their main staple. Large scale, multiple sectors, multiple zones, all kinds of vehicles. Breakthrough is basically just a condensed version of that. Same scale map for the most part. Maybe not quite as big. A little smaller. A few vehicles. More one-sided. Not everybody's dynamically taking things, but one is on the defensive, one is on the offensive. So, yeah. Those are the main modes, and you got your hazard mode, which is your DMZ, your escape from Tarkov mode. Um, it's that equivalent. I haven't touched it, so I have no idea how it works. Uh, Alright, good for them. Good for them for trying. So, here's the thing. When the game first came out and I played the beta and I saw how it was being received... I was like, yeah, bugs and optimization things, those will probably be fixed in a month or two, honestly. As horrid as they were, it's those things are usually fixable. I don't agree that a game should be released in that state. It should be released in the playable, solid, performing state. And then, so that way we can judge the game for its gameplay and its quality of its gameplay. Because the trailer was dope. Trailer and marketing knocked it out of the park. People were excited. We're like, okay, we're going... Finally, we feel like we're going back to Battlefield. We haven't had a game that's this exciting since Battlefield 1, right, from the trailers, which is usually actually a good indicator. And it's modern, but it, so it feels like it's kind of the hybrid of Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 4. I was hyped out of my fucking mind. I'm like, oh my god, large-scale cross-play, right? Battlefield gameplay in a modern setting, but not too modern. Taking everything they've learned, this is going to be great. And then... You know, dumpster fire. But beyond the optimization and bug fi- bug issues, like I was saying, there's gameplay, core gameplay things that they were trying to change up to fit trends. This was a corporate EA move. I don't think DICE had much say in the final state of this game. And apparently this game was under a lot of back and forth for way too long. Like, by the time they finally stuck to the vision, they uh, they... They took way more time in pre-production figuring out where they were going with the franchise than they actually did with building the fucking game, which is evident. I remember, because I played the beta and it was buggy, didn't work, It wasn't, and it wasn't fun when it did. I'm like, this is boring. This game feels unfinished and empty. This feels like an early alpha stage that this game feels like it's a year and a half was an eye spot on from being ready to launch not a year and a half worth of post content launch that adds the experience just a year and a half to be ready to launch at base level for everybody and they should have they should have waited at least a year at least till november of 2022 no reason not to you only release these game games so often No reason to compete with Halo and COD. Just come out and just compete with COD and have a better game. (laughs) It's not that difficult for Battlefield, surprisingly. They usually, in my opinion, beat out COD in terms of quality. Because they don't have to come out annually, so they have more time. It's not split. It's not like, oh, we have Sledgehammer Games doing it now. Also, by the way, 
whether or not COD is owned by Microsoft at the end of the day or Activision Blizzard retains ownership. It doesn't matter. Fucking remove Sledgehammer. They've never done a good job, ever, on their own. They always need way too much support that takes away the quality from the other games in Cycle, and they're a good support studio. I'll give them credit for that. They know how to support the fuck out of our favorite COD games. They don't know how to make one on their own. Stop giving them all these responsibilities. I think they did MW3. Maybe. No. I don't know. If they did, that, that's okay. But they were basically just reskinning Modern Warfare 2, so it wasn't that difficult. Not to say it wasn't difficult. It's probably very difficult, but it wasn't, like, brand new. But World War 2 and Vanguard fucking sucked. And now, apparently, they're making Modern Warfare 3. And it's like, why? Just have Infinity War do it. They did the other two. Fucking Jesus. Anyway. Side rant. Apologies. Um, so, yeah. This Battlefield game came out. It was boring when I played it. And it changed so much. So, you have your class systems. And you have your squads, right? You know, if you're support and you get these weapons. They change stuff. So, now... Any class could have any weapon, but there weren't class systems in the beginning. It was just operative specialists. See where this is going? They're doing the whole Overwatch Rainbow Six thing. Fine for new IP, fine for games that are built around that structure. Rainbow Six and Overwatch work because of that structure. It's a core design element. Battlefield has been around. It knows what it's doing. It has a bread and butter it can stick to. That doesn't mean it can't innovate, change, improve, and, and fix things. It absolutely can. It can change the balancing. It can change the gadget loads. It can add new classes. It can have variants. That's fine. It's interesting, actually. But they just got rid of all of it, the class systems that we know of. If you want to play as Assault, too bad. You just got to play as this operator who's like an Assault class. Okay. Um, so that took away a lot of the team-playing elements of it that make it feel like a Battlefield game. From my understanding, you could still spawn on people. You could still, essentially, you have the gadgets, the tools, the weapons. So it's really, so it almost didn't even make that big of a difference. It was almost like a change for no virtual reason. It just, to change things up aesthetically, I guess. But the biggest problem I think people found were the, was the map design. It's bad. It's still bad. A lot of the maps we play on now. Some have been re redesigned and they actually are fun, but a lot of them aren't. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I wonder why. Well, for one, they're way too fucking big. I mean, Battlefield games are known to have big maps, don't get me wrong, but like, there's a, there's, there's a balancing act to it. From the point in which you spawn, the sector layouts where anyone can spawn. I mean, Battlefield 4 maps are massive. But still, there's always a point where you could spawn and get right back into the action within 30 seconds. And it didn't feel as frustrating to try to get back into the game. There's a five second... I don't know, I guess there's always been a countdown timer, but I think it's been like two or three seconds, which is so like five seconds doesn't seem like a big deal. It does, because... There's not many other spawn points, unless someone's playing Recon, and even then that doesn't last for very long. There's nowhere else to spawn other than the sectors. The sectors are so fucking far away, and you often don't have a way to spawn towards them. And the random spawn feature could just launch you and spawn you on the other side of the goddamn place you're trying to get to. 
And if, it, if you have to wait five seconds on a spawning cooldown, by that point you have a good chance where your, your squad is going to be in combat where you can't spawn on them. It's a frustrating mechanic because it makes you not want to just... You're like, okay, so hard to just get back in the game because then you're launched all the way back and then you have to just find a way to get there quickly. So this game lost its balance of being large-scale but getting you back in the fight, back in the action quickly. That's been the brilliance of most Battlefield games ever. Just for one... I mean, there were huge maps. There were very complicated things like that happen all the time, but you were still able to get back in the action quickly and have fun with it. Okay, so there's that. Alright, that's fine. That's manageable. You'd think that'd be fixable. You just change some of the spawn points. You, you, you reduce the cooldown timer, maybe. Or maybe you allow us to spawn on allies when they're in combat. It's not a good idea. Maybe a little pop-up says, hey, you'll probably die if you do this, dummy. But it's to your discretion. You get to choose if you really want to take that risk. It might be good. You might be able to jump into the surprise, mow a couple down, hold down the point until you, you know, that'd be kind of exciting. It'd keep a small sliver of momentum. Momentum. It's a key factor in Battlefield. It's what makes it so exciting. When you're all on this point trying to hold it down, you got planes going overhead, bombs being dropped, uh, sniper shots from the distance taking out your buddies, people being healed, people, you know, uh, cacophony of war holding down this point. It's exciting. It's energetic, and you're usually getting some good kills in the process and trying to stay alive by all means. It's immersive. Every Battlefield game has those points. It's incredible. Battlefield 2042 has those points. They have those moments. It's just not very often. It's not in every mode in every map, which in every other Battlefield it is. At one point or another in the game, in the map, there is that time. And it's great. It's very exciting. So that's one element. Um, there's some balancing issues as well. A lot, actually. Certain weapons feel like laser beams. Others feel uncontrollable. All right, fine. Here's my bigger issue. There's no more zeroing, and, and there's no more... Like, Battlefield's always been known as a slightly more tactical first-person shooter. It could still be dumb, fast, and loud, as much as you would want it to be. Have those crazy Battlefield moments. But it has... Some moments of thoughtfulness, of planning, of if you want to take that route. Especially if you're a sniper. A sniper takes a little more skill. Because one, your glint is, is so fucking bright, anyone can see it at some point. And someone can spot you. And any player can spot, and that's great, and glad they kept that. All that. But, um, but with sniping, it's not just point and shoot. Because you're further away, it accounts for bullet drop. There is bullet drop in it. It's not big, but it's something you have to manage. Battlefield 4 had the probably the most severe version of it. And you have to just account for it. There's a toggle where you zero your distance. So you, you adjust your rifle to hit that range. And in Battlefield 1, it was a little tricky because you couldn't quite tell. You could tell if you spot someone, it, it'll say that for the UI sake so you know you have the basic information to operate off of. You know, it's not a tactical sim where you have to do the equation. But, so it'll say, oh, this enemy's 300 meters away. Rule of thumb usually is on the default scopes. If they have small tick markers, one tick is 100 meters, right? 
So your center point is 100 meters, maybe 150. So anything 150 or shorter, you don't have to zero. That's what I found out in Battlefield 1. It's actually 150, you don't have to zero. Usually. Because your bullet will drop. It will, it will arc over somebody or fall short if you don't do it properly. If you have a bolt action, you might only have one clean shot until they see you and they're moving around or they're shooting back. So you want to get that down. But when you do, if it's 200 and you, you zero for 200, zeroing means you can just keep it centered at that point. You don't have to zero. You could just eyeball it and point up and not worry about zero, but it helps. So that mechanic's gone in Battlefield 2042. It has been in Battlefield since... I think Bad Company 2, but I'm not sure. Um, it's been a staple to sniping. It's why it's so beloved to snipe, because you could do it from really fucking far away for a multiplayer game. And it's really fun for the, us snipers who... I, I prefer to main a sniper, usually. And it's usually sniper and assault and then support. Those are usually... Or medic. I actually played a lot of medic and, and sniper or recon in um, Battlefield 1, and I played a little bit of assault. So, teach your own. But anyway... Sniping in Battlefield 1 was a dream. Battlefield 4 was very fun, more of a challenge, though, to be honest. Um, but yeah, you zero it in. If you, land a, if you land a headshot, obviously it's an insta-kill. But even if you zero in, if you're using a powerful enough sniper, you'll, you'll usually kill them, even in a body shot if you're far enough away. It's not easy, too. You have to track, you have to zero, you have to be quick. They'll see the glint, they'll move around, they'll shoot back. It's not like it's really easy to do it, but once you get good at it, you become a menace. And you need to be because you're not in the action. You don't have the availability to just come in and shoot people. You know, assault will often have more kills, but a sniper can really hold it down at times. And it's more rewarding in certain ways. So 2042, there's no zeroing. The distances on the map, at least I don't play in Conquest, so it's really not that far. But uh, it's just not as satisfying. Also, you don't ever get one shot on the body. Ever. Unless they're already low on health. But if an enemy's at 100 health, you hit them in the body, uh, they're hurt, they're not dead. And it takes so long to rechamber and land on point again that you're often getting assists as a sniper, which doesn't feel as good. And maybe it's a balancing thing. Maybe it's like, well, if there's one shot to the body, everybody would be dropping dead and choosing snipers. I kind of understand that. Um, but the snipers are right now, as it is, are slow enough where you, you wouldn't do that in close quarters engagements. You would be using them for long distance. And uh, hell, it doesn't have to be the entire body, but if it's waist above, it should be one shot, in my opinion. A torso shot should be a one shot if you're using a sniper from over 100 meters away. I think if you're 100 meters or closer, it should be two shots because you shouldn't use your sniper as a close quarters weapon. Or whatever the metric is, maybe 200 meters away. Because technically, the way this works is if the bullet has more time to travel from a sniper rifle, it will follow through with more impact. I think. think that's how the laws of firing a fucking sniper rifle works. If you fire it up close, you'll still kill somebody. Don't get me wrong. You'll kill them instantly. It'll still be devastating. But if you shoot them from further away, that bullet only has more time to pick up velocity. At a certain point, there is a drop-off point where it actually starts to lose velocity. That's why zeroing and figuring out how far you can shoot that caliber of a bullet 
matters to snipers. Because certain rifles and certain calibers and certain metrics to figuring that out can change how efficient you are at killing at a certain range. Battlefield has a very, very stripped-down casual version. All you got to do is zero, adjust, fire. Not easy, but not too difficult. More difficult than COD, not something like... um, Obviously not like a military sim or a sniper elite type of game, which are fact- factories in wind and some other elements too. So they got rid of that. Okay. So it's a little more frustrating sometimes to try to shoot with a sniper rifle. Also, I don't like the scopes as much. They're not as clean and whatever. But they're not, they're not the worst, I guess. So anyway, um, that's just one element of the game kind of... I don't love the UI. It feels a little more boxy, a little clunkier. feels a little more out of date. The picture doesn't seem quite as sharp, but it's not the end of the world. It still looks clean. It looks good enough, you know. Uh, it's a higher resolution and stable frame rates nowadays. Bugs, glitches, not really many. So I actually don't have many bugs to report on playing it now. Here's my problem with it now. Vehicles. Holy fuck, they gotta figure that out first and foremost. Everything else can be fun and enjoyable, but they have to figure out spawn points, map layout, and vehicles first and foremost, if they're gonna continue support of this game, which I'll talk about in a minute. Vehicles are just too powerful. They're not even balanced. You know, in every other Battlefield game, you had vehicles. Were they threats? Yeah, they should be. They're death machines on wheels or in the sky. So they should be a little better at killing than your standard assault rifle. That's fine. Nobody has a problem with that. And they're not easy to do. If you're a good pilot in a helicopter, you know, you kind of have some skill. But there are things that make it way more unbalanced. It takes way too long to take these fucking things down. And all they do is oppress you. You can't do anything and you're forced to play one class the only class that has the ability to take these things down, and that class can't even take it down. It's a huge, huge, huge problem. It actually makes it so unfun, it would be probably the contributing factor to not wanting to play. Because the best modes in Battlefield, the modes that the game is designed for are these large-scale modes. The spawns are probably better. I just don't want to play Conquest. I, I haven't touched Conquest yet. I've played Breakthrough. It's fun. It's better than TDM in terms of the spawn point management, which lends me to believe that Conquest will be better because these maps are massive, and they're designed initially as that. Then the TDM Breakthroughs, the smaller modes, just they cut out por- portions of the map and just zoom in. They crop it in. They're like, okay, this is the... And they rearrange some of the spawn points, and that's it. So it's not going to be as clean or as efficient. But when there's a vehicle, fucking A, dude, it's impossible to try to destroy these things. If you play as the engineer in Battlefield 2042, you are equipped with the best tools to easily take out a vehicle. However, it ain't easy. For one, you've got your regular, you know, rocket launcher thing that you just have to aim. That's not the worst thing. It should have a little more velocity so it reaches its target just a hair faster. But beyond that, it does decent damage, but not a lot. It would take three of all three shots or four that you get to take out one vehicle. And trust me, you're going to miss most of them. And or that vehicle is going to kill you or someone else is going to kill you in the time you're trying to fire. Then you got the lock-on option. Once you lock on, it's almost guaranteed it'll hit it. Except for the fact of if it hits a building, if it doesn't actually have enough velocity to keep up with the maneuverability of these fucking flying things. And... 
Helicopters especially are the really big nuisance. Tanks are a nuisance, but tanks are a little more manageable. Helicopters are the worst in this game because I haven't even dealt with jets. I have no fucking idea how those are. Usually they're so fast you can only have so much efficiency with them, but uh, except in Battlefield 1, which is nice. The planes were slower, so and there were no helicopters, so yeah, it was kind of interesting. But um, anyway, these helicopters can not only repair themselves if you have an engineer on board in your helicopter who can just constantly repair, so your damage is instantly repaired. They're so maneuverable. You can move them so quickly, nothing can stay locked on or hit it, and then... Even if you have a very someone else on the ground has a very powerful lock-on mechanic um, with a rocket or something, you have so many flares which are designed to take out them. And I'm fine with these vehicles having flares, but they have to have a very long cooldown. They can't. They recharge so quickly. It takes like two or three engineer people to just purely focus on trying to take one of these fucking things down. And you will, but by the time you get that down, another one will respawn because it took so long to get that to be taken down. They have insane amount of health. There are insta-kills on the ground. They, I don't know how easy, I don't find it easy to pilot a helicopter, but there are other people who are more skilled at that. So they have way too much health. They could be repaired in mid-flight. They have way too many flares on cooldown, and they output so much damage, and they're so maneuverable. And beyond all that, the ground forces you know, obviously, uh, maybe a tank could take it down, but a tank can't always aim up in the sky. Another helicopter or plane, those could take it down more easily, but that shouldn't be the only available option. First of all, every class should have some type of equipment that does even small damage to a vehicle. It doesn't have to be to a helicopter, it could be to a tank. C4, even their grenades should do light damage, armor-piercing rounds of that nature, whatever. Support and Assault should have more options to taking down vehicles. Assault has virtually not many. I mean, it's got the sticky grenade launcher, which is dope. Very fun. More so designed for people. If you shoot it on a vehicle, I don't even know if it does damage. I think it does a little bit. So Engineer is the only one that's equipped with two types of rocket launchers as a side special gadget thing to take on vehicles. That's what they're designed for. One's lock-on, one's manual. Both pretty equal in its power. Which is diddly shit. Like, it shouldn't take four fucking rockets to take these vehicles out. In a game like this, it should take one to two. Two. It should take two. One rocket shouldn't take them out. Because then you would never want to play in a vehicle. But it should, it should take two or three. Not four or five. That's ridiculous. For a helicopter. Tank, uh, maybe a little more. Right? A few more hits. Tanks aren't as maneuverable. At least there's that. They are slower. They have more firepower. But they're not as maneuverable. Tanks are can be a nuisance, but they're a little better balanced. But the helicopters, anything flying, they can move so fast. So they need to reduce their maneuverability. They need to just make them slower by 10-15%. They need to make it so you can't repair it all the way to max health. And you can only repair it... Maybe you can only repair it up to 50% total after its initial damage. So say it goes down to 50%, you could repair it to 100% and then that's it. You can no longer repair any more on that vehicle. Flares need to be on like three minute cooldowns or no, that's too ridiculous. But they need to be on something shorter. I don't know what the actual cooldown time is, but I think it's like 30 seconds, which is not enough time. Which it, or which is way too quick, I mean. Way, way, way too quick. Bump it up to a minute. Minute and 15, minute and a half. That way these things are vulnerable to rockets. 
for a minute and a half. And if they're 10 to 20% less maneuverable, you can hit them with rockets. And also make these man-armed rockets a little more powerful. Like 20%, 25% more powerful. That way these helicopters, they'll still do better damage than not. They'll still kill a handful of people or hold down a point. They just won't stay up in the air for the entire game, dominating everybody because even if you're good at firing them, you, you can't kill them because they just repair themselves and move out of the way and then shoot flares. They have way too many defensive options on board. I don't know how it was in launch. Maybe they were unbalanced and no one was playing with them, so they buffed them, but they're way too powerful. And a lot of vehicles are that way, and they're just not fun. So you combine that with spawning from so fucking far away and having such inconsistent spawn points, it breaks the momentum of the game. Battlefield 1 and 5 and 4, you had these moments where, yeah, yeah, you get your ass beat, it's frustrating, you jump right back in, you're good, you're close enough, it takes a few 30 seconds to get back in the action at most, maybe. You could pick up right where you were, um, if you know where that thing was, um, and get revenge, or push on to an objective. It wasn't as punishing to die. It was punishing, but it was still, when you die, you're like, in Battlefield 2042, you're so fucking far away, and it's so hard to get to an objective. There is airdropping vehicles, which I didn't realize was a feature until a couple days ago, which I think is part of the reason why they're okay with their maps being so goddamn big, because you seems like you can do that pretty often. Maybe not the best vehicles, but good travel vehicles. So maybe that's what they were doing. They were trying to force your hand into doing that. I don't want to, though. If I want to walk or run or hitch a ride or drop a vehicle... I should still be able to, in any form of traversal I choose, be able to get to the objective fast enough. Obviously, a vehicle would be faster, but a vehicle isn't always readily available, and they're vulnerable. Because regular ground vehicles can be taken out immediately, which is also ridiculous. Like a truck could be hit with one rocket, boom, it's pretty much dead, or you could just be shot driving it. Should it be riskier? Yeah. And it's faster, so sure, but it shouldn't be that easy. Because then you're deterred to even take any other type of vehicle other than something that's... So it's a balancing issue with the vehicles and the spawn points. And I think that breaks the pace and the momentum. It takes away from us just jumping in, getting kills, and enjoying the epic moments. And also, maybe it's just because it's in Conquest. There's not many epic moments in other modes. So I'll have to play more Conquest to really see. I know that you can't really fully judge a Battlefield game if you're not judging it off its Conquest mode since that's their bread and butter. That's where they start. That's where they hone in and everything clicks. <sighs> but I don't know. It If you have that many more vehicles at the disposal, then it just feels like it'll be more oppressive if you're not a vehicle person, which... I'm not. I don't often man vehicles in Battlefield. I like to snipe or be an assault class. I, occasionally I'll jump in the vehicles, and I liked it in Battlefield 1, but I'm not that type of person. I don't care that much. So, they need to balance those things out. Will they? I don't know. So let's get into the future of Battlefield and the post-launch cycle and conclusions. Alrighty. Um, let me mention a few more positives of the game at the very least because it was a pretty negative just talking about the problems with the game i will say this it's not as buggy it's not as unoptimized it is fun i still want to get back and play it there's good customization options there's a lot at, at available 
It's a little too grindy in my opinion because there's actually not that many weapons and attachments. It's just a lot of grinding to do just to get some of them. So I do wish there was more, more weapons and diversity in that. Or even if there weren't more weapons, more easier to just get some better shit for your time. But whatever. It's crossplay. That's a big plus in my mind. Fully crossplay. No, no problem. Drop in, drop out. Real easy. Real efficient. Thank you. That's good. Um, Gunplay is smooth. Gunplay is really fun, really satisfying, really rewarding. Uh, time to kill is real nice on most things other than sniper rifles, in my opinion. Uh, damage rate, gun balance, recoil balance, attachments are cool. The on-the-fly attachment swapper is dope. Really cool addition. You just hold the hold Y on Xbox, hold triangle on PlayStation, and I don't even know on PC. But you hold a button, it just pops it up, and you have... Uh, Two or three or more options to switch out attachments of every kind on the fly, right in game, and it does it in a half a second, and you're good to go. So if you're like, man, that person's really far away, let me switch my scopes, you can do it. You don't have to open up a custom. You do still have to open up your main custom loadout thing to equip, because you can't have all of your attachments at, at your disposal. Say you have every attachment for that gun, it's like 70 attachments. You could pick like four or five well, like, no, you can pick like 10 to 12 total on this cycle, on this quick choosing option. So you pick your favorites that you'll most regularly swap in and out. It's cool. It's cool. I think 12 is the max. It's a cool, it's a cool mechanic. It works. It's really fluid. It makes sense. It's very intuitive. And, and it's, it's helpful. It's not a crutch. It doesn't, it still takes a half a second. So you can't just do it in a fight, you know. And every attachment has its balances, its, its pluses, its minuses, and that's good. So all that's good. Um, movement in the game feels nice. You know, jumping, mantling, running, sprinting, sliding, all that stuff that feels real nice. Like I said, aim down sights, time to kill, the movement, the gunplay, the sound design. It's all really good. It's all really there. Graphics are good. They're not the greatest. They're not as visually unique to me. I don't know. Maybe I haven't spent enough time. But they're good. It's easy to spot people. This game is pretty accessible, even though it's sometimes a pain. And we're a year and a half in. We've got the Sweats who are still playing this game who think it's the greatest game ever, so they're kind of annoying. They have all the best weapons, and they know the maps. So it's kind of a learning curve in that regard. So it's a fun game. Is it the best game? No. Is it the worst game ever as of now? No. Was it then? Probably. I think those who like Battlefield who are interested should... Take a look at it if you can. Once again, it's free to download. I wouldn't pay for this one. Or if I would, it would be a massive discount. 20, 30 bucks of value, not 60, 70, 80, 100. No, 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 no. No, don't pay for this if you can help it. It's not the most fun, I'll be honest. It's fun. It can be for a few hours. I'm getting into it, but I want more. Which is why I'm making this podcast. I, I want to see a good Battlefield through and through. I want to see another Battlefield 1, Battlefield 4. One that I won't want to put down. One that I can play with my friends. One that I will want to continuously play and have in rotation. That's what I hope we see in the next iteration. I hope we see it sooner rather than later. As long as it's up to quality with that sooner. So let's talk about post-launch content. Because Battlefield's been through it. Battlefield had... 2042 had some of the worst critical and commercial reception of a Battlefield game ever... It has changed the way they're going to treat them going forward. Um, they had to do redesigns. They had to do restructures. Their post-content fixes and balances, and they did a lot. Not only did they fix the bugs and issues, they brought back the class systems. 
you still have specialist operators within those class systems that have those special perks, which is cool. That's fine. I like that. I don't mind that. Um, so they fixed that. They probably fixed the myriad of balancing bug issues. Apparently they reworked most of the maps so they are better in general, which I couldn't imagine if they were how bad they must have been at launch. But some of them still aren't fixed. Um, but a lot of them have been. A few new maps have been introduced. Weapons. A pretty fair uh, battle pass. Um, you got your premium and you got your free tier. Free tier, you unlock all the weapons uh, like any new battle pass. So that's good. All the post-launch content and gameplay-changing content comes free to the player. It's a little grindy, but oh well. So, they've done a lot. Because it's a well-running, for the most part, working game. That's fun. But I keep telling my friends, because they, they're not as versed in Battlefield. They haven't played as much as I have. I keep telling them, this isn't the Battlefield experience that you guys should have for your initial introduction. Uh, if Battlefield 1 was crossplay, I'd be having them play that right now. Even with lower lobby counts. Or Battlefield 4 or 3 for that matter. And I gotta try the portal mode, I know. I've heard good things about that. Um, so I'll give that a shot. But yeah, um, I just... I just wish there was more to it. Um, yeah. that That's what I hope to see. Um, just a little tightening up of it if they continue support for this game. It's only been a year and a half. We're probably at minimum a year and a half away from another Battlefield. So continued free support makes sense, but this game was such a colossal failure, I could also see them not even trying to add to it. Having one final massive overhaul update with content, fixes, all that, and saying this is the last support update for Battlefield. Most people wouldn't give a shit um, anyway, so I could really see them not supporting it, but it's also getting a bounce back and a resurgence in popular media across the board, online, and video game forums and stuff. People are like, well, it, it's not great, but it's better. Try it now. It's not too shabby. So, and that's why I tried it with friends. We needed a new crossplay game. Simple as that. And it was free, it was available, and, you know, the core components of Battlefield are still fun. Uh, the core gameplay is still there. It's still Battlefield through and through, and for that, it's fun. It's just not quite scratching that itch you would want when you're playing a Battlefield game. It makes you want to go back and play the better ones, actually. Uh, and that's the shame of it, but all in all, it's not a horrible game. But of all the Battlefield games I've actually sunk hours into, it is the worst one. For me, personally, it goes Battlefield 1, Battlefield 4, Battlefield 3... And then Battlefield 5. Uh, to be fair, Battlefield 5, maybe higher or lower. I really do like that game. I got into it. I just didn't play it that much at all. And I played it like a year or two after it came out. So it's just not as special. And then Battlefield 2042. And same with Battlefield 3. I didn't play that much of. I understand it's really important. And it is a great game from what I played. I just was new to Battlefield. It was my introduction. And it was at the tail end of its life cycle. So I only played it for a few months, seriously. Um, but it was my first one. So, so yeah, Battlefield 1, Battlefield 4, Battlefield 3, Battlefield 5, and now Battlefield 2042. So of the five Battlefields I have played with, uh, played a consistent amount of... I went back and played Bad Company 1 and 2, and those were fun. But I, I went back and played it. Never played the multiplayer suite, just a single player, which was cool. And um, co-op with my buddies. And some multiplayer matches that were still alive somehow. 
but that doesn't really count. So anyway, um, this is definitely at the bottom of the list, but it's not. It's not the worst game ever, honestly. And now, now it's not the worst game. So if you have nothing to do, if you need a crossplay game, if you need some time to kill to turn off your brain to grind a little bit, it's not the worst investment. But I wouldn't go out of your way to, to get this one, unfortunately. Um, but I'm having fun enough with it as is right now. I'm getting more into it. I am progressing. I I don't dislike it. I'm gonna keep playing it because I'm hopeful and I and I enjoy playing Battlefield with my buddies. So that's what's holding me on, you know. It's a good break from the cycle of what we have been doing. So I, I don't mind too much, honestly. But yeah, it, it's just one of those things where it's frustrating. It's frustrating because they're experiencing a battlefield that is subpar. And I keep telling them that, but I don't know how much they actually understand how good these other battlefield games are and why, why I'm so patient with this one because I know battlefield can be better. And the moments where they're having fun, they're laughing, cool things are happening are the moments where I'm like, yeah, that's like 75% of the other battlefield games, not 25%. It's flipped. It's inverted. We shouldn't be having this experience. It should be more fun. That's a problem. And sometimes games just don't quite click, aren't fun for people, and we don't always know why, but this one's very clear. It, it was a little ambitious. It was trying to be bigger in scale, but it just forgot that it forgot its focus, I think, and that, that threw it off, in my opinion. So... What's to come of the future of Battlefield in general? I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll throw some ideas out there. One, year two, year one con post content cycle is about to be done. They're gonna, they're on season four right now. They're probably gonna release season five this summer, and that will either be the very last content update of the game entirely, or just the last of the year, and then they start year two content. Would they do a year three? Fuck no. If they're doing anything. If they're extending life support to this game, it's just through year two because they're finally getting a bounce back and resurgence. But it's not much, and I don't even know if EA would warrant that for enough, or DICE for the time and energy it would make to make post-content for such a small player base. They might as well just divert as, uh, efforts and energy into making a better, more polished new Battlefield game. Or they have some other options at the table I want to explore. But first and foremost, let's talk about post-launch because this first year of post-launch has been pretty good. It's added new maps, new modes, new game, uh, new new guns. Uh, fixed a lot of the core issues from the gameplay standpoint. Really trimmed up and fixed all the bugs and issues. So for our first year, it's a very fucking solid thing. Here's the thing, though. It's all stuff that should have been done before it released. If they released the game this year, it still wouldn't quite be great, but it wouldn't be so tremendously upsetting. They would have way bigger player base, they'd have way bigger basis of information to understand where they went wrong, and they'd be able to have more motivation and drive most likely to fix it. So, um, But they added an interesting mode in 2042, which I think changes the way we look at stuff. They added this portal mode, which I haven't had any hands-on experience, but I've seen a lot of it. It's pretty fucking incredible. It's taking in-engine, in-game, fully, you know, licensed assets from previous handful, not all of them, unfortunately, but a, pre, a, a small sampling from three other Battlefield games. 1942, the remastered one. Uh, Battlefield 3, I think, and Bad Company 2, I think. I'm actually, maybe there's another one. So it's taking those elements handful of guns, handful of skins, handful of 
And if you play in the actual portal mode, you could play on community-led designed maps or servers or mods. They, it's basically controlled modded support within those assets. So people can basically design game modes and use the maps and use the blueprints and use the guns. It's like kind of like a more restricted Halo Forge and custom games, if you will. That's cool. I actually like that. Why not? It adds replayability. It would add a level of people going and playing 2042 just for that mode. Because it's cross-play. It's replayable. It's fun. And I might just have to do that because Battlefield 3 is so solid. I might just have to do that. And, and, and I'll play around with that actually today and see if, it, if I could play basically just a Battlefield 3 map with modes. Like an, a famous Battlefield map with the modes, the weapons, enough, enough of it to make it feel like Battlefield 3 with next-gen hardware that's cross-play that I could play with my buddies, then why not? You know, that's, it's a 10-year-old game, might as well, older than that, so might as well. That'd be cool. So, things like that. So, in one aspect, people think, well, year two might have a few more content things for 2042, but they might just say, well, fuck it, 2042 didn't work out, but portal is a potential sweet spot so they might add a massive and people are theorizing massive support of portal here's what they could do i don't know if they will what would be very cool is if instead of worrying about post content launch for 2042 instead what they've been working on in the background is they're like here it'll be a few years before you get a brand new battlefield entry so until then fuck it here you go Here's an expanded portal mode, and it's just called Battlefield Portal. You don't have to own 2042. It's free to play. It's available on all platforms. It's fully cross-play. It's on the most recent Frostbite engine. All the Nick, all all the the features and uh, stuff to it, right? But more, more in the already existing games. More guns, more maps, more vehicles, more skins its own progress, right? And then add more cataloged games. At the very least, add Battlefield 4 and 1 since those are so beloved. And add like three or four of the most famous maps of those and like a good amount of the weapons there. And make sure it all works and it's not buggy. They could do that. Guys, it's assets that have already been made. They're not making it from the ground up. They're just reconfiguring it to fit in this. And it's not easy, but they can do that. You know? It's not like building something from scratch. Unless they do have to rebuild it from scratch. I don't know. Maybe they do to fit this next-gen hardware. I wouldn't think so. I think they'd just have to retool some stuff. I'm not sure. I don't know how it all works. But I know that that's a possibility. That would be a huge lifeline because here's the thing. From a marketing standpoint, Battlefield Portal actually dodged all the controversy that 2042 carried because it was a solid moat. Was it perfect? No, it had problems. It doesn't have a lot of content. It had its bug issues, but not as bad. It wasn't as buggy. It allowed people to play these games, these modes, and they get to hodgepodge. It's truly a sandbox, and Battlefield in of itself, from a gameplay standpoint, is a sandbox experience. So when you amplify that and say, hey, fuck it, here, there's a bunch of modes. You want a World War II weapon in a Battlefield 3 map? There you go. But it's all assets from previous Battlefield games, so it's already, we know it works. It feels good. It, it plays well. Stuff like that.
I think that's important. So I could see just regular content launch, a new season pass, a new more maps, more modes, reworks, bugs, balance fixes, some additions to the portal mode for the next continued year of 2042. But I also see it more an exciting opportunity where they could really just punch in and capitalize on this battlefield portal mode. And really try to make do with that. Expand what's already there. Improve whatever may not be working there. Once again, I haven't played it, so I can't speak on it fully. And add a couple more games that you could pull assets from fully. Have them there. Not like the full games themselves, but like like I said, four or five maybe of the most iconic maps from each of those games. And a handful of the most beloved weapons, the customizations for each. And make it all interconnected and work. Release it as its own thing. Battlefield Portal coming out. And when they announce this, it should just come out a month later. Because it already exists. So just act like this is like the beta for it. And be like, okay, it's coming out next month. Free to play for all. Or make it a full price game. So people aren't worried about the free to play. Not full price. Make it like 20 bucks. That'd be cool. It would be kind of like a Master Chief collection of sorts, but more so with mods. So, that's a potential. They they need to do something, because they're getting a little more traction. People are coming back. People are wanting a Battlefield game. So they need to capitalize on that, whether that's Portal or just some continued support for 2042. Or they need to announce what they're going to do. But they need to be transparent. DICE and EA, but more importantly EA. They just need to say, hey, we know. They need to acknowledge that their game is hated right now, that they got bigger, their shit out, and that they're working on it. And then they need to, to deliver quickly. You know, they're they're doing they're doing post content. Um, but I would love to see um, you know, I would just absolutely love to see some sort of you know, 20, or, or Battlefield Portal uh, full thing, or just announcement of a new Battlefield game. Take what worked, the cross-play, some of the, the new stability, the more players, right? the Portal modes, and some of the some of the interesting things that worked in this game, and just, you know, don't make the same mistakes and, and just elevate it. Or make a collection thing. You know, that doesn't hurt to like a Master Chief collection, but for these Battlefield games. So better graphics, better optimization, better frame rate, dedicated servers across the board so you could hop between all. So it's not a portal mode because the portal is like mods where people can like hodgepodge mix things, but but like just a collection. So if you want to play Battlefield Bad Company 2, from Bad Company 2 all the way up. So co Company 2... Um, uh, uh, Battlefield 3, Battlefield 4, Battlefield 1, Battlefield 5, and Hardline, I guess. Sure. If you want to play those five, they're all in one bundle now. All remastered, better graphics, better optimization, all in one unique server with its own customization. The multiplayer suites. With all the expansions. Okay? And what that would do, because at the time, all of these games that had expansions were never fully explored. We're talking 12 to 15 more maps that people have no fucking idea. 
10 to 20 new weapons across the board. People have no fucking idea. They never bought in. Those premium stuff, the uh, the expansion passes, the DLCs for Battlefields never worked, ever. They very, I mean, some people did them, but they just didn't stick with them long enough. They were either on to new games, so they never even bought or even played what they bought, or there was not enough people playing it. So have all of those at launch of this collection, the Battlefield collection. That'd be incredible. Dedicated servers for the modern era, improved graphics and performance across the board, so it's all universally stable. Um, crossplay, fully crossplay. You that would be popular. Even if you charge full price, that would be popular. People would pay for that. They will play those games. You're getting all the best Battlefield games of recent history in one. And all of its content, too. That's a lot. People want to go back. People do go back and play these games. They're just not as popular. So if that's titled as a new release, you'll also get new people in the door. I don't know why more franchises don't do this. COD, Battlefield, um, whatever, right? Halo did it, and it's working beautifully for them. They had a lot of issues at launch, but it works now. COD Zombies in of itself could do that, and it would be huge. And I keep advocating for that. COD Zombies needs it more than just COD. COD is fine, but COD Zombies would benefit from that mode. But now that I think of it, Battlefield 2. Because I want to show my friends the old Battlefield, but I don't want them to have to download a game and that's not cross-play or have to buy an old game that nobody plays. This would mitigate some of those things. More people would play it. There'd be servers that are dedicated to it. They'd be better, more efficient servers, you know, new architecture. It'd all be on new graphic hardware with more stable frame rates. So anything that was 30 frames or, or unstable frame rates at the time will be bumped up to 60 stable, up to 120 or more. Right? I mean... Because the engine, the architecture of Battlefield 2042, its skeleton, what runs it, is great. It's just, you know, even though it wasn't optimized as a game, the Frostbite engine, the new Frostbite engine is phenomenal. So they just, God, that would be cool. And, and they do that because you don't want to remaster individual ones. That's ridiculous. Um, and so it's just the multiplayer brought back to life. And so all the modes, all the... And you just hop between game. Oh, you guys want to play Battlefield 5 tonight? Okay. You want to do 3 tonight? Okay. With all the expansions, all the modes, all the progress there. Or a universal progression thing so they can have their stupid season passes and some microtransaction method. They'd probably have that. Anyway, that's what I'm thinking. That would be very cool. Um, maybe they are working on that. I don't know. I don't see EA doing that anytime soon. But EA's been different. They've been changing their shit up, so maybe they will. I see it more feasible and safer that they just work on the next Battlefield entry and that they either do light continued support on year two or just do a portal thing. Just really lock in on that. I'm not sure. I'm curious to see what will happen. I love Battlefield. I think it's a great franchise. I think 2042 is okay now, but I don't think it's great. Um, and it's a shame, after all this time and energy spent in it, for them to have such a dud. And I think what sucks is we know there's nothing coming the next year. Like, if a COD doesn't work out, we're like, okay, well, there'll be another one next year. That is the benefit of an annual cycle. Um, but something like Halo or Battlefield, when it 
the reason why it hurts when they don't work out and they don't pull the people and they don't keep them and they don't remember what made them great in the first place is it's like, well, fuck, now we're out of any new for years. And yeah, people go back and play them, but it's just not as incentivized. It's harder to. I mean, I, I have Battlefield 1 on disc. I guess I could download on Game Pass, but my point is it's not cross-play. I can't play it with all my friends. You know what I mean? There's just there's these issues with that, um, and it's just not as easy. Um, it's easier now than it's ever been, but that's why a remastered collection would be awesome. But regardless, I do hope the best for the Battlefield franchise. Um, there's so much great things that can be done in a Battlefield game that no other game has or can do or will do. Um, and the finals from ex-devs of DICE, the people, and from the people who made some of the better Battlefield games, that's coming out soon, actually. That's PC only, unfortunately. I hope to see that come to console if it works, but it probably won't. It's probably too intensive for consoles. Um, that looks like a really fun take on kind of the, uh, it's actually an arena shooter. Looks super fun. I've talked about it before. Their level of destruction, the server side, it's incredible. That game looks super fun. We're looking for more games nowadays that just capture that fun. I've been getting into Counter-Strike lately. I might do a podcast on that eventually. Counter-Strike is an interesting thing. Uh, I've been learning more about it. I've been playing it. I've been having a lot of fun, and I'm excited for Counter-Strike Source 2. Counter-Strike 2 coming out. That'll be an overhaul much needed for the community. So looking forward to that as well. So there's a lot of exciting things coming down the road, and I hope... And I'm looking forward to the future of gaming and to the future of Battlefield. So I wish it nothing but the best and that it could recover from this stumble. Listen, franchises stumble all the time. Things don't work out. They try things. Things fail. Times, conditions. I don't think that means you vilify and vilify, villainize this one instance. Because to be fair, even though Battlefield's had its ups and downs, it's pretty consistently solid. It hasn't fucked or burned its community quite as much as COD has. Um... Not nearly as much. COD Ghosts, Infinite Warfare, uh, COD World War II, COD Vanguard, and the launch of COD MW2, the most recent one. All instances of the COD community being majorly burned or damaged or just fucked over. Battlefield is two instances I can remember three fours um they always launch buggy 2042 is the worst instance i've ever seen of that in any game worse than cyberpunk so it's just like yeah no um battlefield 4 had a lot of server and glitches at the first two weeks it got fixed immediately or as soon as possible but that was a huge issue at the time Battlefield 5, I don't remember many of the bugs or glitches or probably plenty but it was more so just the poor marketing and the and the lack of inventiveness, I guess. And 2042 for purely, mostly it's bugs and imbalanced stuff, but then also it's core elements being changed too much. So 2042 is really the largest stain in the franchise, and uh, yeah, it's a big one, because it's actually really shown a sign in the industry that scared everybody, regardless of the Battlefield fans. But... But I hope they, they can recover from this because it's such a great franchise. And one horribly wrong misstep that that should never happen again shouldn't make the franchise unplayable going forward. So I hope the best for them and I hope the best for the gaming in the future. Thank you all for listening. Uh, and until next time.